Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Peter and worship team. Um, he won't fail us now. These are the words ushering us into our time of being in the word together today. And um, uh, we are in our second Sunday of Lent, um, the 40-day journey of walking closer to Jesus um, and the empty tomb. And of course, everything that precedes the empty tomb, the betrayal, um, the crowds, the beating, the condemning to death, the death itself, and then the silence in the tomb. And so we're headed there and we're walking with Jesus and we're continuing um, in the book of Luke. And we've been in the book of Luke for like months now, I think like right during, during Advent. So leading up to Christmas, we're in the book of Luke. We're still in the book of Luke. We are finally making our way to Luke chapter 12, which is where we're going to be today. And um, we've been working with Wellspring's word of the year. And I think I have a graphic for it. Um, which is the word listening. Um, and we've been stop looking, <laughs> stop Luke and listening <laughs> uh, in the book of Luke. And um, the other day we were having a meeting and we were kind of like envisioning all the different ways that we want listening to kind of infuse who we are this year. And um, we, I kind of sketched out this really uh, ugly tree and then I gave it to Dar who made it a not ugly tree. And so thank you, Dar. <laughs> She's <laughs> one of our team and she created this not ugly tree. And um, at the base of it is this question, in a world where everyone talks, what, it might, what might it be like for us to be people who listen? And so that's kind of the question we're asking. For us to be salt, light, and God's love here at Wellspring, what might it look like for us to be people who listen? So how do we do that? Well, the how is in the branch. Can everyone see, or in the trunk, right here we got the trunk. Um, we're gonna be cultivating values and practices of talking to anyone. Oh, actually it should be listening. Ooh, ooh. oh, that's a good catch. We're gonna have to change that. <laughs> Cultivating values and practices of listening to anyone about anything. Can you say listening to anyone, listening to about, anything. about anything? See, there we go. We fixed it. We'll, we'll, we'll change that later. And then we have different ways we're going to be trying to do that, to, to learn as we cultivate values and practices. How do we listen to anyone about anything? Um, we're going to be kind of reaching out and reaching in and reaching around here in our community. And we will talk about that later. So no need to read all those words. But one thing um, that is there um, that you might see if you really wanted to read all the details is we are right now, right here with reaching around, uh, we're talking about our money story. Right, we're in the book of Luke, we're still looking and listening, but we are li listening in a specific way um, to Jesus, uh, Jesus speaking on money as well as to our own money stories. Um, so here we go. This is what we are gonna be going through. So if, you're, if this is your first Sunday here um, in a couple of weeks or your first Sunday here at all, you might be wondering, why our money story? Why? That's a great question. Um, often the topic of money, um, whenever you bring it up, it kind of invites tension into the room. People might wonder, why are you talking about it? Are you trying to make an ask? Are you, am I about to be guilt-tripped or pressured into some specific kind of saving or spending or giving? Um, I read this uh, I read this study from the University of London this past week, and I don't know who they surveyed, but they discovered among people they surveyed that people were seven times more likely to talk to complete strangers. Seven times, uh, um, they preferred uh, at a seven times amount to talk to strangers about sex, including STDs, than talk about how much they make. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I'm like, come on, University of London. Is this because these are British people? <laughs> God bless all you British people. 
I'm part British too, so I can say that. <laughs> but um, people would rather talk about almost anything than money. And sometimes uh, it can also be kind of awkward and invite attention to listen to people talking about money. And so that's what we're gonna be doing because Jesus talked about money more than he talked about almost anything else. Yes, is this the wrong place? My earring, okay, thank you. So everyone just close your eyes for five seconds while we do a quick wardrobe adjustment. Is that better? Okay, our technical team is telling me that my earring is making a sound. Thank you. Now I'm gonna be lopsided. I'll just like preach like this the rest of the time. <laughs> so where were we? Okay, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about almost anything else. He talked about money more than he talked about faith and more than he mentioned the kingdom. Now the thing is when Jesus talked about money, he was actually using that to discuss lots of deeper things, including things like faith, including things like prayer, including things like kingdom. But Jesus didn't shy away from talking about money. So we are listening to Jesus talking about money in the book of Luke. And um, Jesus used the conversation of money to open up um, many deeper conversations, the topic of money to open up many deeper things, including the topic of identity, like when he held up the little coin later on, I think in Luke 20, and said, whose inscription is on this? Right? Jesus used the topic of money to introduce things all the way from the topic of our identity all the way through to um, speak about God's longing for us, as in when he tells the story of the woman who loses her coin and sweeps it through the house to try to find it. So Jesus uses the topic of money all the time to talk about deeper, important things. And so that's what we're going to be doing too. We're going to be talking about money, and we're going to be talking about what's underneath it as well. And along the way, listening to our own stories of money, our own stories of maybe what felt like scarcity or abundance, because each one of us has a money story. We have experiences with money from a young age. It might be stories of indifference or of fear. It might be stories of abundance and privilege. It might be stories where there's a lot of injustice or scarcity. So each of us have a money story. And God is inviting us to reflect on our stories and see what they say and what our current choices are about everything we believe in, about our values, our hopes, our visions for the future. Um, Jesus is bringing all that together, um, doesn't leave anything out. So we're going to be in the text of Luke chapter 12 today. And um, whether you are more comfortable with the topic or less comfortable, I invite you into the tension. Is that okay? Are we in the tension today? Maybe, sort of. <laughs> Somebody kind of on the outskirts, I don't know, I'll wait and see. <laughs> so to help us get into the scene, I have a couple different readers here. Um, I have Matt and I have Han. And Han, I think you're, you're by a microphone. Each of you are great. So we're going to try to do this without there being feedback. But just to give you some context, Jesus is in the middle of teaching. He's probably on a hill and there are thousands of people there, the text says. Thousands. And Jesus didn't have a microphone, which is why I think he was on a hill. Right? His voice had to be able to carry. There's so many people that they're jostling and craning each other so they can lean in and hear his words. And he's warning them of the persecution that's going to happen after his death. He's letting them know that their lives are precious to God when suddenly a person in the crowd interrupted Jesus. Teacher, intervene and tell my brother to share the family inheritance with me. Man, who made me your judge and arbitrator? You'd better be on your guard against any type of greed, for a person's life is not about having his possessions. A wealthy man owned some land that produced a huge harvest, and he thought to himself, I have a problem here. 
I don't have anywhere to store all my land, all my crops. What should I do? I know. I'll tear down my small barns and build even bigger ones. And then I'll have plenty of storage space for my grain and all my other goods. Then I'll be able to say to myself, I have it made. I can relax and take it easy for years. So I'll just sit back, eat, drink, and have a good time. Then God interrupted the man's conversation with himself. Excuse me, Mr. Brilliant, but your time has come. Tonight you will die. Now who will enjoy everything you've earned and saved? This is how it will be for people who accumulate riches for themselves, but have no riches in relation to God. Thank you. Thank you, Matt and Han. The illustrative... That illustrative reading, that's excellent. Um, as a kid growing up in the rural Philippines, I had a couple books on my little rattan bookshelf. Um, I had this book, uh, this story, and it was called, I actually Googled it, it exists, and I'm not going to show it to you because it kind of has like a racist caricature on the front. That's a book I grew up with. It's called The Rich Fool for Children. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? And it sat right next to my collection of little golden books, which were these like, you know, cherubic cutely illustrated books of like prayers and um, like Jesus blessing the children. So I had the rich fool for children with this very garish character on the front. And then I had all my little happy golden books. So those were my uh, reading opportunities. And I'm thankful for both of them. Uh, but that story in particular um, always was a little jarring for me, right? It wasn't sweet and beautifully illustrated. It was dramatically rendered in bold colors. I remembered lots of red and I looked it up and it is very garish. Right, the story of this man who couldn't sleep, couldn't rest, laying awake at night because he's been blessed with an abundant harvest. And he's wondering what to do with it because it won't fit in his barns and all his storehouses are too small for his harvest. And so finally he decides he's going to pull down the old barns, he's going to build new ones so he can finally rest and enjoy his life. But he doesn't know that he's about to die. It's a jarring story for children, isn't it? <laughs> Woohoo! So I interpreted this parable to mean, don't save money. <laughs> I did. Don't save money. You never know when you're going to die. <laughs> Let me quickly go to my child's book of prayers. <laughs> so I always, um, although, uh, although I didn't get the message right, right? I didn't get the lesson right. Um, I did always feel a little afraid while reading it. And I think although I was wrong about the lesson, I think I was right about the feeling. Because why was Mr. Brilliant acting in this kind of greedy way? Why was he trying to hoard more? Why was he unable to enjoy what he had? And it's because of fear and worry. See, I got the feeling right. It was because of his own fear and worry, which caused him to turn to greed, to get more, 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 more. That's why he's always thinking of himself. It was hard for him to share. Because friends, it can be really hard. It can be really hard to flourish, to enjoy what we have with ourselves and with others when you are worried and when you are afraid. Right, this poor man, Mr. Brilliant, I think Jesus calls him in today's, uh, today's version, he's unable to eat, drink, and be merry. These are things that 
farmers would do, landowners would do with their workers after a harvest. So in the Old Testament, we see they would set aside weeks of celebration where everyone would gather in the village and they would all partake in the harvest and the workers would be there and the landowners would be there. And for one moment, it was this beautiful picture of what life could, be look, could look like when there is enough for all. This beautiful moment of celebration where everyone was at the table, whether you were a landowner or whether you were working in the fields. And that is missing from this story. There's no celebration. This man is so fearful and worried that he's hoarding everything for himself and he can't even participate in what could have been the best part of that big harvest, the chance to share it with others. To see friends, fear and worry, they're the big interrupters of our life. They interrupted him from being able to enjoy what he had. He interrupted Jesus when Jesus was teaching and he got interrupted by the man who said, hey, you know, tell my brother and share his inheritance with me, <laughs> right? Why would he ask that? Out of all these thousands of people, can you imagine being someone who stood up and Jesus is talking about, um, you know, not, not being afraid about being persecuted and that God's got you and that your life is precious to God. And this guy is so stuck in the narratives in his head that he literally stands up and is like, hey, talk to my brother and make him share the inheritance. I mean, can you see how jarring that is? It's this big interruption. And that's what fear and worry can do. I don't know whether that guy had thought that his brother would share it with him. Maybe he had already planned how he was going to spend some of it. Maybe he had some debts he needed to pay. Who knows? But it brought him to a point where he was interrupting the shared moment they all had. <laughs> Interrupting because fear and worry are the interrupters in our lives. They interrupt our generosity. They interrupt moments of shared togetherness and celebration. This brings us right to number one in our notes. It's a question to ask yourself. In my money story, how can I find ways of releasing fear and worry which interrupt flourishing? How can I find ways of releasing fear and worry which interrupt flourishing? Now, I'm sure I could rattle off a whole bunch of ways and things to do to release fear and worry, but the truth is those would be just ones that work for me, <laughs> right? I'm at you. Only you know what lowers your blood pressure. Only you know what helps you feel more expansive, what helps you feel more free, what helps you feel more like sharing. And part of the creative work to try to be a healthy human is to find out these ways for ourselves. For me, my long list involves things like trying to get outside. It'd be nice if I took a walk. Sometimes I just sit in the backyard. I call a friend. I make sure my next appointment with my therapist is scheduled. <laughs> I feel like our, our task to be healthy humans needs to involve wrestling with what do we do with fear and worry when it comes up. Um, because every single day, we have so many opportunities to be interrupted by fear and worry, right? It's like constant interruption. Like for me, it's just a push of a button and instantly I can connect with disheartening news from all over the world. In fact, sometimes I don't even need to push a button on my phone. It comes to my phone. I'm like, I didn't want to know there was a mass shooting right now. No, thank you. My heart cannot hold this right now. I disable, like how do I disable notifications? That's how you know. That's how I know I'm in I'm middle-aged approaching. <laughs> I had to talk to, I had to talk to my son, help, help me turn these things off. Right? The, the horrors of the world are ever present all around us. 
so easy to find out, so easy to intrude and interrupt um, what we're doing, just our regular day-to-day, -day, our, our talking with our family, um, being with our grandchildren, uh, being present to our coworkers, gardening. Fear and worry can interrupt anytime, anywhere. In the U.S. alone, our collective fear and anxiety have gone um, not down, but up, even since COVID. Our worries about each other, they're stoked by constant online news coming through our TV screens, our phones. Our politicians love to weapon fear of the other and turn us against each other. Our would-be leaders trying to push brands of religion, a twisted religion based off of fear of fading shared values. In record highs, parents say they are concerned over their children's mental health. Two in five adults say they feel more anxious now than they were last year. And half are young adults, those aged 18 through 24, have symptoms of worry, chronic worry. Friends, fear and worry might be the great interrupters of our flourishing. At the same time, they're also a very natural and a very human response because our world can be full of fearful and worrisome things. We see in the book of Luke, in just a couple chapters, Jesus sweating drops of blood, knowing what is to come before his betrayal and arrest, feeling the anxiety of what he was going to bear. God is not unempathetic or unfamiliar with fear and, and worry. Fear and worry can interrupt us, but they can also serve us. Fear is what compels you if you see a tsunami coming to run uphill, <laughs> right? Fear is what, is what tells you if you're in a building and you smell smoke, fear tells you to get out, right? Thank you, fear. That's helpful. Fear can tell you that danger is near and can help you make appropriate decisions when you're in a crisis. What about worry? Well, worry might cause you to text a friend you haven't seen in a while, and that might be the text that they need. They've really been struggling, and they really needed some support. Worry might bring you to the doctor when there's something you're not sure about, and it can give you an all-clear um, prognosis, or it could give you a diagnosis that can set you on your way to healing. Worry can serve us. But when fear and worry become intruding too much on our lives, when they no longer serve us, but they constantly interrupt us, then we know that there, we need to find ways of releasing them. We need to know uh, ways of, of dealing with them so that they don't interrupt our flourishing. Now, if for you, um, fear and worry have become what feels like a constant interruption, um, then there is support for that. There are wonderful therapists. There are psychiatrists. Uh, sometimes our bodies need extra support with medication, and there is nothing wrong with that. Um, each body is different, and we each need different things for us to thrive. And if, if you've been feeling like so worried and anxious, maybe it feels like fears are cropping up um, more often in the past. And if you are a part of Wellspring, please don't let, um, maybe if you don't have great health insurance um, or you're not sure what your copay would be, you're not sure if you can cover it, go and we will pay for it. We have benevolence funds and we want to make sure that if you need to see a psychiatrist, you can. So we are not psychiatrists or psychologists. We want to make sure that um, finances don't get in the way. If there's somebody you need to see and you need some medical treatment, you need some support because there is good support out there. Sometimes we need that extra, that extra help. And then for us, for things that we can do ourselves, right, without having that extra support, um, you can ask yourself, what makes my heart sing? What makes my heart sing? How can I release fear and worry and to step 
into something else, into God's abundance for me. Now, um, we've talked about, um, we, we talked about the beginning of today's passage. We read it with Han and with Matt. But I'm going to invite Colleen up now because Jesus continues in this teaching. He continues. um, He doesn't even pause. He just keeps going. We paused right there so we can identify fear and worry. But now we're going to hear Jesus continuing on sharing about fear and worry in a very direct way. And let's see what Jesus does. What does he invite them to do with their fear and worry? This is why I keep telling you not to worry about anything in life, about what you'll eat, about how you'll clothe your body. Life is more than food, and the body is more than fancy clothes. Think about those crows flying over there. Do they plant and harvest crops? Do they own silos or barns? Look at them fly. It looks like God is taking pretty good care of them, doesn't it? Remember, that you are more precious to God than birds. Which one of you can add a single hour to your life or inches to your height by worrying really hard? If worry can't change anything, why do you do it so much? Think about those beautiful wild lilies growing over there. They don't work up a sweat toiling for needs or wants. They don't worry about clothing. Yet the great King Solomon never had an outfit that was half as glorious as theirs. Look at the grass growing over there. One day it's thriving in the fields. The next day is being used as fuel. If God takes such good care of such transient things, how much more you can depend on God to care for you, weak in faith as you are. Don't reduce your life to the pursuit of food and drink. Don't let your mind be filled with anxiety. People of the world who don't know God pursue these things. But you have a Father caring for you, a Father who knows all your needs. Since you don't need to worry about security and safety, about food and clothing, then pursue God's kingdom first and foremost, and these other things will come to you as well. My little flock, don't be afraid. God is your Father, and your Father's great joy is to give you His kingdom. This means you can sell your possessions and give generously to the poor. You can have a different kind of savings plan, one that never depreciates, one that never defaults, one that can't be plundered by crooks or destroyed by natural calamities. Your treasure will be stored in the heavens, and since your treasure is there, your heart will be lodged there as well. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you, Colleen. So first, in our money story, how can we find ways of releasing fear and worry which interrupt flourishing? And Colleen's reading brings us right into number two in your notes, which is this. What practices of trust can I use to enjoy abundance? What practices of trust can I use to enjoy abundance? Which sees them more to life, Jesus references. Abundance sees them more to life. So what practices of trust can I use? A few weeks ago, I was with someone I really care about, and they were having a lot of trouble coping that day. They were having a um, just a really difficult day. And it it was at a point, they invited me to spend some time with them, and we were either going to go to the ER 
or we were going to call a, a suicide crisis hotline, hotline like 988. And so uh, after some discussion, this person decided to call 988, um, and we did. And um, we wound up getting this person named uh, Robert on the phone. He's a local guy. And we, we had the phone on speakerphone. And let me tell you, Robert was a great listener. He was a really non-anxious presence. At that moment, I was pretty anxious with this person I care about. So Robert's way helped, helped bring me down to help me release some of my fear and worry uh, for this person I care about. And Robert did this exercise with this person called the 54321 exercise. And some of you might know this. But what uh, Robert did is he invited this person with some, some deep breathing, like with inhaling and exhaling, uh, to think of five things you can see right now. And there would be an inhale and exhale, and uh, they'd identify one thing they'd see. And then we'd inhale and exhale and do it again. We did that five times, five things you can see. It takes a while, this exercise. <laughs> then we went to four things you can, I think it was here, because you're doing your senses, hear, taste, touch smell, um, maybe that's it. No, see, see. Um, I think when we were at like, at, at, at taste, there was like only one thing they could think of. So we did that five, four, three, two. We started with what can you see? What can you smell right now? Um, what can you touch around you? And we did that all the way through. It took like 15 minutes, this five, four, three, two, one exercise, but it really helped. At the end, this person I was with was able to refocus on the present moment they felt themselves distanced from the feelings of overwhelm and worry that had been really uh, heavy. And this person has a wonderful psychiatrist. They're under the care of a doctor, um, they're, and they're doing really well. But at that moment, it was really hard. And Robert knew just the right thing. Five, four, three, two, one was a godsend. And here, thousands of years before Robert ever was trained in trauma-informed and neural-informed practices, Jesus here on this mountainside invites his listeners to see, to notice, feel the grass underneath you. This grass, which is here today and gone tomorrow, but God notices you, cares for you, even as God cares for transient things. Look, see those birds. <laughs> Those birds, watch them fly. They don't have storehouses and barns, but God cares for them. Look, look at the, look at the flowers. I mean, can you imagine Jesus teaching this maybe here in Hawaii? I kind of picture that maybe we're at Ho'omaluhia or at some kind of beautiful, expansive place, the mountain in the backyard, back of us, this huge, expansive green in front of us. And I can just imagine Jesus saying, smell, smell the jasmine flowers, smell the pikake how beautiful they are. And God cares for them, even though you pick them and then they kind of fade away pretty quickly, but they make the most amazing lay. I can imagine Jesus saying, oh, touch the waxy heliconia. <laughs> it's so waxy, but look at how bold and beautiful it is. And if you bring it home, it'll live for a little while, right? Heliconia are great. They don't die right away. I really like that. Thrifty tip, right? <laughs> I can imagine Jesus teaching, notice the plumeria tree the birds that are in its branches. Can you imagine Jesus teaching this here in Hawaii? Man, that would have been amazing. What Jesus is doing is he's inviting his listeners to be centered in the present moment of here we are. Here is God's abundance all around us. Here is the world God made. And it's here with you, for you. Can you imagine how his listeners might have felt kind of grounded and centered how fear or worry they might have been holding was just easier to release as they listened to Jesus. 
I feel like Jesus has such loving assurances here and it helps bring people into a place where they can build trust with Jesus. Because when Jesus brings them through this exercise, their fear and worry lasts them a little bit. I can imagine they felt really close to Jesus, right? They know that they can trust him. He's leading them well, right? This wonderful shepherd of this little flock. And I had this moment uh, quite a few years ago um, when I moved to U.S. for college. And I remember money was super tight. Um, I was working multiple jobs as a student, and um, I didn't have a car, so I had to make friends really quickly. I didn't know anyone where I lived. I lived in Dallas for a year, so straight from Philippines to Dallas. That was an interesting, interesting time. <laughs> I never talk about it. I have very few memories of that time, but I have one that really stands out. Um, and uh, I, I was... I was working at this night job, and it was the sort of thing that had really uncertain hours. Like, you never knew when you might have hours. And I was working as a night mover. And basically, you go into these office buildings, and you move people's offices for them when they're not at work. So we would go in with a group of people, always someone who had a car. <laughs> we would go in, we would move all this furniture over from one place to another, and it paid pretty decently, and I loved that job, but I never knew when I might be signed up for another shift. And I was always feeling worried and anxious. When am I going to get another shift? Am I going to be able to, like, pay for my phone calls with this guy I really like named Dan who lives all the way in Chicago. <laughs> I had so much fear and worry. <laughs> and one day I was, I was preoccupied. Oh, those, were, those were expensive phone cards. They really were. <laughs> or one day I was fearful and worried and um, I, I was stepping in between cars onto this road to cross the road trying to get to class in the morning. And just for one second, I paused to look at a bumper sticker that caught my eye. I was like in mid-step, and I just remember pausing to look at it. And as I did so, a speeding car came by that I hadn't seen so quickly. It came by so fast and so near to me that the wind from it knocked me back onto the other cars. And I, at first I thought, was I just hit? No, I probably wouldn't be alive. Like, am I? I'm here. And something about that experience pushed me into the present moment. I'm alive. I don't have to be alive. I mean, here I am. My story didn't end. My story could have ended when I had to leave the Philippines that I loved and come to this strange new place that I didn't know with no good Asian food at the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could not just go and get like, you know, Auntie Elena's like, or Helena's. There was no good Filipino food. It was so sad. You know, my story didn't end. And that, that experience kind of knocks me into the practice of gratitude. And that helps me trust God and see God's abundance. And I see Jesus here, right? There is no, you know, sudden shocking moments. But I see Jesus building trust. I see Jesus inviting people to see what there is, inviting people into gratitude, inviting us to be able to see the way, see the world the way God sees it, with the abundance everywhere. I love Jesus's loving assurances here. And we're going to hear in just a couple minutes from Sarah, who's going to read them to us. It's like maybe two more minutes, Sarah, maybe two more minutes. <laughs> so friends, fear and worry, they interrupt us. And sometimes they tell us the truth, like there's a fire here or there's a tsunami coming. But sometimes the thing with fear and worry, actually not sometimes, all the time, fear and worry do not tell us the whole truth. They only tell us some of the truth. Because the truth is that you and I are destined for joy and beauty and wholeness and justice. The truth is that this whole world is destined for joy and beauty and shared celebration and justice. However, individual inheritances might be doled out, 
You are co-heirs with God of this whole world. All this good that God has made is to be generously shared among all of us. It's to be all of ours. That's how we can give because we know that all of this is God's and all of it is ours too. One of the tragedies of Mr. Brilliant, right, who, who lies here wondering what he's going to do with all of his abundance, and he never gets to enjoy it. Remember what he says, after I tear down all my barns, I'm going to build all new barns, and I'm going to have a place for all my stuff. Then I can eat, drink, and I can be merry. Then I can rest. This guy has so much, and he can't even enjoy what he has. I feel like that's one of the tragedies here, right? Because the truth is, we are meant to enjoy. We are meant to share together in celebration. We are meant to be caught up in God's way of radical sharing. And the truth is, is that that's where God is bringing all of us. To one day, the marriage supper of the Lamb, when heaven comes to earth, when this earth is recreated and healed and made whole. So that's where we're headed. So fear and worry, they might tell us some truth, but they don't tell us the whole truth. The whole truth is that you are destined for joy and beauty and wholeness. So right now we are going to do an exercise. Um, We're going to do an exercise that invites us to um, maybe name some of the interruptions that we've had of fear and worry. Maybe name what's something you've been carrying that's been cropping up a lot that you want to release to God. And all of you should have received coffee filters when you came in. Hi, kids in the back. Do you have coffee filters? Do you want to wave them in the air? If you do not have a coffee filter, can you maybe raise a hand? And I'm going to see maybe Rico, do you think you can hand a coffee filter and a marker out? Everyone should have a coffee filter and a marker. So just keep your hand up and you'll get a coffee filter and a marker and then um, put your hand down when you get them. Okay. And while we do that, I'm going to give you another question because um, for some of you, you're like, I don't know how to release my fear and worry to God. Like, that's just nuts. That's too nebulous. It's too amorphous. How do I do that? Well, here's a concrete question for you. What is in my control right now that I can loosen my grasp on? What is in my control I can loosen my grasp on? This is a wonderful exercise that helps us uh, release what we do have in our control to God, and that can help us address our fear and worry. Because if we can if we can let go of what we do have in our control of, to God, then we'll definitely be able to let go of what we don't have in our control of God. We can't control it. <laughs> so name something that you're worried about or fearful about on a piece of paper in just a minute, um, or maybe something that's, that you just want to loosen your grasp on that, um, that you want to give to God. And then you might be wondering, what am I going to do with all these coffee filters? Okay, do you guys want to wave your coffee filters in there? What are you going to do with them? Okay, after you write in them, um, we're going to have Sarah, first of all, read the words of Jesus again. And after she does, the worship team is going to come up, and you are all going to get a chance to go to one of two stations we have around here. You see we have the cross right over here, and you notice we have two bowls of water. We have all these little clips. And if you're at home and you're thinking, man, I'm missing out, uh, feel free to grab any piece of paper, a scratch piece of paper near you and write on it. Um, and then uh, you can go ahead and tear it into little pieces of paper when you're done. Um, don't burn it because it might not be safe. But tear it all up. Tear it all up when you're done. But here we're going to be uh, taking our coffee filters. We're going to be swishing it in water. And you're going to see the, see the marker dissolve. And then don't throw away your filter. We're going to hang it up on the cross. We're going to hang it up there in the back. We have another station right by Uncle Dan. And you know, I think we need to move the, the basket. Okay, I guess everyone can see it. Okay. And then 
you those coffee filters, we're going to take them and we're going to make art out of them, kids, because we have our Lenten mosaic for our money story. Last week, we all made these little discs reminding ourselves that uh, God is the one who wants to provide for us, who gives us our daily bread. God is the source. And if you notice, we have those circles reminding us of the pita bread or the cup of rice reminding us that God is the source. And this week, after those tissue papers dry, we're gonna do some, we're gonna do some gluing. I'm not sure where. If you wanna be part of that, be my guest. <laughs> so we're gonna get ready to move into our time of response. And um, before, before Sarah gets up to read, I just wanna say one more thing. You know, fear and worry, sometimes they tell us the truth, but they don't tell us the whole truth, right? Fear and worry are interrupters, but interruptions can also be invitations, invitations to release, invitations to move towards God, invitations to remember what really matters. The other thing is, is that although fear and worry may be very constant presences in our lives, fear and worry are not the only constant presences in our lives. Because you know what else is always present, always near us? God's goodness and grace, God's loving kindness and mercy. As the psalmist says, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Surely your goodness and mercy will run after me all the days of my life. So we might have fear and worry now. We also have God's goodness and mercy running after us, ever present in our lives, ready to bring us home. So Sarah, if you want to come on up, you waited so long. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to move this so we can see you. We're all going to hear Jesus' words for us through Sarah. And then at any point in time when she's done, you can go take your filters. The worship team will quietly play and you can wash them and dry them. Okay. I think we're ready. Thank you. My name is Sarah. To his disciples, this is why I keep telling you not to worry about anything in life, about what you'll eat, about how you'll clothe your body. Life is more than food, and the body is more than fancy clothes. Think about those crows flying over there. Do they plant and harvest crops? Do they own cereals or barns? Look at them fly. It looks like God is taking pretty good care of them, doesn't it? Remember that you are more precious to God than birds. Which one of you can add a single hour to your life or which inches to your height by worrying really hard? If worry can't change anything, why do you do it so much? Think about those beautiful wild ladies running over there. They don't work up a sweat toilet for neither ones. They don't worry about clothing. Yet the great King Solomon never had an outfit that was half as glorious as theirs. Look at the grass growing over there. One day thriving in the fields. The next day, it's being used as fuel. If God takes such good care of such transient things, how much more you can depend on God to take care for you? Weak in faith as are you, as you are. 
don't de- don't reduce your life to the pursuit of food and drink. Don't let your mind be filled with anxiety. People of the world who you don't know, God pursue these things, but you have a father king for you, a father who knows all your needs. Since you don't need to worry about security and safety, about food and clothing, and then pursue God's kingdom first and foremost, and these other things will come to you as well. My little flock, don't be afraid. God is your father, and your father's great joy is to give you his kingdom. That means you can sell your possessions and give generously to the poor. You can have a different kind of savings fund, one that never depreciates, one that never defaults, one that can't be planted by crooks or destroyed by natural calamities. Your treasure will be stored in the heavens, and since your treasure is there, your heart will be lodged as well. Thank you so much, Sarah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So why don't you think of something, a fear or worry you want to release to God, or maybe something that is in your control, something that's in your control you just want to loosen your grasp on. Let's take a few minutes, write some notes, and then let's head to our washing and drying stations.